How many people? Um, how many people feel like sometimes your life doesn't make sense? Anybody <laughs> feel that way? Your life doesn't make sense. Well, that's really what I wanted to, to talk about uh, briefly this morning is about uh, making sense of your life. Um, I want to read this scripture. It's the same scripture I read last week if you happen to be here. But this is a captivating scripture in my life. So I could preach many messages out of this scripture because I've been thinking about it for years. It's 1 Corinthians 13, 11 through 12. It says, When I was a child, I spoke as a child, understood as a child, thought as a child. Thoughts lead to understanding. Understandings lead to words. Words lead to your reality. Okay? That's, that's what it's telling us. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. That's really amazing, that part. But then it says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. So right here, the Bible really clearly shows us that we have a very dim view of life. Life is not really clear. Uh, Don Casterson was telling me about those mirrors that they had in those days. Uh, he said there were two mirrors. One of them was a piece of copper. Well, if you can imagine a piece of copper trying to see yourself in that. The other one was a piece of volcanic rock, which is black, you know, that's been polished. You can imagine that was how they would, what Paul was trying to describe there. Even Paul had a very dim perspective about life. And then he, he reemphasizes that now I know in part. Now I know in part. So how... How do you make sense of life, of your life, of life around you when, when all you know is part? There's a part, there's pieces of it. You don't have the full picture. No one does. And if anybody claims they do, they're not living in reality. They're living in a fantasy. You know, one of the things that has happened to a lot of people um, in the past few years is a lot of people saw, uh, that's why I've, Part of what I gave you the answer to this, a lot of people saw a lot of loss in their life. A lot of dreams went up in smoke. A lot of things went up in smoke in people's lives, right? In, am I talking to the right people this morning? Because uh, I'm not, maybe we'll set a fire in your life. Maybe this may set a fire in your life. But many of us had loss, and it was a struggle in our life uh, to make sense of the law, and particularly uh, in the area of dreams, of things that you feel like God spoke to you, and you begin to see all that crumble before you. Or is anybody hearing what I'm saying? And now we're in a new season. God is blowing a fresh breath of air into the people of God again. If you haven't experienced that yet, God is going to. You're going to experience it if you'll open your heart up. He's going to blow into you again. And when He God breathes, God breathes dreams back into people's lives again. You hear what I'm saying to you? And, what, and here's the, the crazy thing about it is even the dreams that, you, that God gave you in the past that, you, that died, that went away, that you lost, God's breathing even bigger dreams now. Yeah. I'm telling you, that's what He's doing. Bigger dreams. And that's where life doesn't make sense a lot of times because you feel like, Lord, I couldn't, I couldn't see those old dreams that died. I couldn't see them fulfilled, and now you're even giving me greater dreams. Does anybody know what I'm saying? I hope you do. Because if you do, you know, we sang it this morning. We have God's hope in us. 
God is alive in us. And that's really what I've always told people. If you're not dreaming, then you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible tells us clearly that one of the, one of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit is dreams and visions for people's lives. And we do go through times in our lives when things die. And see, there's no explaining it at the end of the day. There's no explaining how a God-given dream could just die in you. We can't naturally explain that because why? Because we know in part. We know in part. Is anybody following me this morning? So what we're all trying to do is we're all trying to make sense of our life, right? We're trying to make sense of all of this. We're trying to interpret this. We're trying to explain this. Okay, and the Bible is quite full of this kind of thinking. The Bible is quite full. In fact, the book of Job is a whole book about people trying to make sense of what happened to Job. The whole book's about that. You know about the whole thing is a conversation that went bad, obviously. A, bad, a conversation that started good, went bad, and ended well. Trying to explain why did God let this happen? Why did God let this happen? Or why did this happen to me? And, and it, it really, a, a great book to learn how not to explain life. The book of Job. That's how I look at the book of Job. This is a book on how not to explain your life. How to not to explain what God's, God is doing. But there's another book called the book of Psalms, uh, which is an amazing book when it comes to explaining Life, Because Psalms is full of all these, what we would consider to be negative emotions and negative feelings. I was just reading through a bunch of them. Uh, anybody ever felt lonely? Psalm 25 says, I am lonely and afflicted. I'm lonely and afflicted. Uh, Psalm 31 says, my life is spent with sorrow. Uh, uh, Psalm 38 says, I regret my sin. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh, Psalm 6, 6 says, My eyes waste away because of grief. My eyes waste away. Uh, uh, Psalm 69 says, I'm afflicted and in pain. Uh, Psalm 44 says, Shame has covered my face. Here's the beautiful thing about Psalms, though, this versus the, the book of Job. The Psalms give us a perspective, they give us a context to deal with feelings. They give us a context to deal with feelings. About every human emotion there ever is going to be is found in the book of Psalms. There's, there's dozens of them. I just named a few of them. And what they do is they give us a way to express our emotions in a positive way. Because you, what you see is, oh, I'm covered in shame. But if you read on, there's an outwork and there's a conclusion that comes. A good conclusion. A, a conclusion that's Right. And see, that's really one of the reasons we sing songs in churches. I always used to say, what do we sing songs for? What, what do we sing? What? I mean, besides just the fact of worshiping God, it's because there's truth. And what we're, we're aligning our words with the truth, which aligns our emotions with truth. That's why when people don't enter into worship, they're missing something. They're missing, they're missing a truth that can change their life. Because worship aligns us with truth. It aligns our emotions and aligns our feelings. Are y'all following me? Just remember this about emotions. Emotions are like gauges on your car. This is, this is what the Lord showed me a while back. They're like gauges on your car. You're driving down the road and you see your gas gauge on empty. What do you do? You stop at the nearest gas station. See, emotions are trying to tell us something about what's going on inside of us. 
Don't suppress your emotions. Don't ignore your emotions because when you do, bad things can happen. It can get worse. You run out of gas and you're walking. And so, but there's a healthy way to deal with emotions. There's a healthy way to walk through your emotions. And just remember, every thought has an emotion attached to it. Uh, medical science has proven there's no such thing as a thought without emotion. In fact, people who lose their ability of emotions make terrible decisions because emotions inform us. They inform us. They help us make good decisions. Y'all just sitting there looking at me. Let me tell you, I, I, there was a, I read this fascinating thing in 19, I think it was 1995 in Time Magazine about a man who had a tumor in his brain a very successful businessman. And he had to have surgery. And, and they removed the tumor, and, but the, the tumor was attached back there on the stem of his brain, back where his emotions are, your natural emotions are. And they were able to successfully get this tumor out of his brain, and he was, he was healthy. But they, what happened to this man is this man's business went down the tubes. Now, he had been very successful, he did not lose any of his intellect. But what he did lose was this. He lost the emotions that were tied to his thinking. In other words, if he had an appointment with somebody, he would just not even go to the appointment because he didn't have emotions speaking to him, saying, if you don't go to that, you're going to be sorry, you know, because they're not going to like you doing that. It didn't matter to him because he didn't feel anything. I know people who've lost their emotions, and they cannot adequately raise their children. And so what we had to realize is, is God has given us emotions. But the way you deal with your emotions is critical. The way we process emotions, like emotions like anger, emotions like sorrow, emotions like grief, all those things are really important, and God has given us a way to process them. And that's really one of the, one of the reasons the Psalms help us in processing emotions. Um, so... I said all that for a reason, um, because thoughts lead to understanding. Thoughts are affected by emotion. Understandings lead to words, and words lead to your reality. Now, here's what's really important. Those verses that I read are right in the middle of the Bible called love, the love chapter, right? Don't you think, think that's kind of interesting? Because to me, that's what stuck out to me. Is what is he, why is all this in the middle of, God, of Paul teaching on God's love? Love is patient. Love is kind. Blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden he throws in this thing about when I was a child. I spoke. I acted. I, right? And then he starts talking about knowing in part. And his, this is why, I believe. You will never be able to interpret your life. You will never be able to make sense of your life apart from knowing God's love. That's really what he was trying to, to communicate to us. You cannot look at your life and know and understand why things are what they are apart from God's love. You will come to the wrong answer every time. You will come to the wrong conclusion. You will, come, you will interpret your life wrong. You'll, it's like a person preaching in another language and he has an interpreter there and, but the interpreter is not interpreting it right and, and, and you're up there preaching away about one thing and he's up there preaching away about something else. Without love, that's what happens. It's what you're hearing, what you're feeling, what you're seeing it's really important. 
If you want to make sense of your life, you can't make sense of your life. That's why a lot of people come to the wrong conclusions. You know, um, people, when, when bad things happen to people, they have, uh, like somebody hurts you or somebody betrays you. You want to know why they did that, right? That's where negative, toxic things come from. It's not necessarily what happened to you. It's why did it happen to me? Why did God let that happen to me? Or why did that person do it? Why did they hurt me so bad? Why did they do that to me? That's where people get into unforgiveness. And that's where people get into bitterness is because they, they, they get stuck on the why part. It's not the thing happens. Why did it happen to me? Why did a God who's so loving and so caring let that person do that to me? I know people today, because they, something bad happened to them, they have, they've left the Lord over it because they were hurt. And they could never figure out, why did God let this thing happen if God is good? Why did it happen? And, it's, and so their interpretation of life and what happened was bad. God is really not good. God's really not loving. He says he is, but because this bad thing happened in my life, it proves he's not. And, and they make decisions based on that. Are y'all following this? Y'all just sitting there looking at me like, what, what does this mean? I'm just sort of taking you on my journey in life of working through my things that I've had to deal with in my life and come out on the other side good. So one of the things that I really learned was this, was that God really does love me. And apart from his love and apart from having a revelation of his love and everything that happens to me, if I don't see that God is love, then I'm going to read everything wrong. I'm going to read how people treat me wrong. I'm going to read my failures wrong. I'm going to read everything wrong. And and when I read it wrong, I'm going to make wrong decisions with my life. Okay, that's one thing. Let me read this other scripture to you, 2 Timothy 2.8. This is an amazing scripture. I love this scripture. This is from the New American Standard Bible because it's the most accurate on this particular verse. It says, Remember Christ Jesus, risen from the dead, descended of David according to my gospel. And so, I don't know about you, but to me it's like, duh, remember Christ Jesus. I mean, doesn't that... Doesn't that strike you kind of as an odd thing to say to somebody? I mean, it does to me. I mean, especially Paul's telling Timothy. Timothy is a very spiritual person. Like, why would you say to somebody, remember Christ Jesus? Right? Remember Christ Jesus. Well, I think there's a lot of reasons. Uh, One of them is this. I think it's remember the presence of the Lord is always with you. No matter what's happening in your life, Timothy, no matter what's going on around you, just remember Christ is with you. I think that's, and the other thing is this, is I think he's trying to tell Timothy this. Listen, Timothy, because Timothy was in a difficult place in his life. It, it, he, Paul was writing Timothy the letter. Let me just tell you this real quick. He was the pastor of the church at Ephesus, Timothy was, when this letter was written to him. It was the largest church in the world at the time. It was one of the greatest churches in the world. But they had already hit their peak, okay? They had been in a move of God, and it was downhill. Things were going down. People were leaving the church. There was betrayal. It was a difficult time when, when First and Second Timothy was written, okay? And so Timothy was struggling. He was, had this 
you know, inherited this awesome church and suddenly things weren't so awesome. You had the Roman Empire bearing down. Persecution was bearing down. They were in a hard place. And Paul was telling him, remember Jesus because remember the presence of the Lord is with you. And I think this is the other thing he was saying. This is another fact from behavioral scientists. We all have filters, okay, in which we receive information. Okay, every one of us, when, we, when something happens, there's a filter that that, that, that information is filtered through. For instance, have you ever been with someone and both of you had an experience together? Okay, and then later you hear that person you was with communicating that experience. And you're thinking, that's not what happened. That's not what they said. Has anybody ever had that experience? I have it all the time with Becky. Like, Becky, that is not what they said. They did not do that. I don't know what she was hearing or seeing, but none of that happened. You know why? Because she has a different filter. We see things from different perspective. We hear things from different perspectives. And what Paul was trying to tell Timothy is, Timothy, you, will, you, you know, there's only one reliable filter. There's only one way to really look at your life and look at what's going on in your life right. And that's the filter of Christ himself. See, that was the failure in the book of Job. That's what it teaches us. Is you, they, nobody could figure this thing out. Have you ever read the book of Job and some of the awesome stuff they've said in there? I'm talking about the people that God was mad at. They, had, they said some awesome stuff in there. I even heard a guy one time say, you can't preach out of the book of Job because God was mad at him. I think, well, that's not really, what, that's not really true. He was mad at their conclusion. Why did they conclude wrong? Because they were trying to look at it apart from God. They had a different filter. They concluded that Job was not really who he said he was. That Job was a bad person. At the end of the day, the, you know, God said, listen, y'all got, I'm mad at y'all. Number one, because you didn't, tell, you didn't speak a right about me. And see, if you don't have the right filter, ultimately at the end of the day, not only are you going to look at your life wrong, you're going to look at other people wrong. And then you're going to look at God wrong. Think about it with your dreams. When your dreams goes up straight, your ministry goes up, and when things fall apart around you, you know, if you don't have the right filter, if you're not looking at it, if God is not helping you see that right, then you, ultimately you're going to become upset with the Lord. Am I talking to anybody here this morning? I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm just feeling like I'm not nobody. It's like I'm having a one-way conversation, and everybody's checked out. That's the way it feels like. Well, they ain't listening to me. They, ain't, they don't care about this. I deeply care about this I, I, because this is, or I wouldn't be saying it. I think this is really important. Humor me. Act like it is. <laughs> So, one, here's how you're going to look at your life right. One, number one, is you really need a revelation of God's love because you only know in part and when things fall apart on you and your plans and your dreams don't work, you need to know that God is loving and God dearly loves you. Because if you do not know that, you are going to come to the wrong conclusion every time. And you're going to ultimately wind up pointing your finger at God and being accusatory towards Him And some people fall away from God over it. Okay? That's one. Number two, know that you have a filter. Know that you're filtering information. And you see life a certain way. And there's only one filter that's really reliable. 
That's God himself. Your opinions is not a good filter. Your biblical knowledge is not a good filter. Your understanding of God is not a good filter. None of them are good filters. Only God himself, only the Holy Spirit himself can be that filter for us. That's why, here's what you should do when somebody comes to you. This is my trick. This is how I, I don't, this is my trick for giving people counsel. Somebody says, I need to talk to you about something. And they start talking to me. I'm, I just quit listening to them. <laughs> I'm serious. I just don't listen. I start praying, Lord, I have no clue. I could tell them my opinion, but they don't need opinion. They need something from heaven. And you know what I do? I ask the Lord to give me something. And the first thing that comes in my mind, that's what I'm giving them. Because at that point, I've asked the Lord. I'm trusting the Lord to give me. And sometimes they'll be telling you something, and then they stop. And you give them like, well, you know, I was just thinking about this story in the Bible. It's in such and such. It's in 2 Samuel 24. And it's about David's mighty men. And they're thinking, what does that have to do with me? But it's what God showed me. Okay, and I believe what God wants us to do is he wants to get rid of our, what we think we know, okay, and receive what he knows. God wants to speak to us. Here, here's the other thing I wanted to share with you, okay, is I've read this, uh, you know, psychologists, which are behavioral science, they tell us that basically we're, we're, we, there's two selves. We have two selves. One is our remembered self, Okay, how we remember things. And the other is our experienced self, what we actually experienced. Okay? One is your remembered self. One is your experienced self. They don't always equal. They don't always equal. In other words, you don't always remember what happened to you. Okay? And and, and, And people... They don't operate off their experienced self. They operate from their remembered self. How they choose to remember what happened to them. That's what behavioral science say. How you choose to remember a certain situation in your life is going to determine how your life is going to go. How you choose to remember it. In other words, there's people who go through bad things. They go through hell in their life. And they never get over it. Somebody else goes through hell, the same kind of hell, they come out victorious. What's the difference? Well, one of the differences is this, is the people who came out victorious chose to remember it differently. They chose to find God in it somewhere. They chose to believe that God's going to cause it to work for good. They chose to believe that God would never leave or forsake them. They chose to believe that somehow it makes no sense to me, but somehow God's love was all in the middle of that. And God was with me and God had a plan the whole time. And see, that's what, that's what I'm talking about, the filters. That's what will change your life. It really is. Let me read this thing here in Genesis. I'm about to run out of time, but I wanted to read this one to you. This will help you. This is Genesis 3.13. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is it that you have done? The woman said, the serpent, the serpent deceived me and I ate. The serpent deceived me and I ate. Well, if you go look at the literal translation of that verse, this is what it's, she said. The woman said, the serpent caused me to forget and I do eat. Listen, the serpent caused me to forget what God said, so I ate this fruit. Let me say that one more time. The serpent, the devil... 
caused me to forget something that was really important in my life. He caused me to forget God's love. He caused me to forget God's promises. He caused me to forget the prophetic words that were spoken over my life. So what did I do? I did what the devil said. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying to you? Here's what's wrong with a lot of Christians. is a lot of Christians have Alzheimer's disease. I'm telling you, a lot of us have Alzheimer's disease. A lot of us are forgetting. That's why if you go through the New Testament, if you go through the whole Bible, you'll find that word remember over and over and over. It's, it's a word in the Bible. I, I encourage you, when you start reading the Bible, take note every time where it says remember. You'll be surprised of how many times it says remember. I was just reading in my regular devotional reading this morning, uh, Revelations 3.3, remember. Therefore, how you have received and heard, hold fast and repent. That was one of the words Jesus had for one of the churches in the book of Revelation. Remember, because remembering is important. Jude said, remember. It's, it's all over the New Testament. It's all over the whole Bible. There's Psalms written about remembering. Okay? From the beginning, from the beginning, God created man to remember. To remember things. Memory's important. Your memory's important in God's economy. Once Jesus was astounded at the disciples because they weren't getting it. He was doing miracles and they were not. And he went through this little conversation with them. And the last thing he says, don't you remember my miracles? Don't you remember my miracles? I mean, he was appealing to their memory to connect themselves with him when they, when they couldn't connect. So I was reading about Alzheimer's disease, and this is what I found out about it. It's the sixth leading cause of death in the United States. The sixth leading cause of death in the United States. It can only be treated, but there's no cure. Currently, there's no cure for Alzheimer's. See, doesn't this sound kind of demonic to you? I mean, when I was thinking about this thing about Eve, the devil caused me to forget. The devil's attacking people's minds in the natural, causing them to forget. And it's killing them. If you've ever been around a person who suffers with Alzheimer's, you'll discover how lethal it really is. Well, see, spiritually, it's the same thing. Spiritually, there's people in this room, you have spiritual Alzheimer's. You're forgetting things. You're forgetting what God's done for you. You're forgetting words over your life. And you're like a person in the natural who has Alzheimer's disease. This is another interesting Alzheimer's is not a normal part of aging. Isn't that amazing? We think it's a normal part of aging, but it's not. This is what scientists say. It's not. Although the greatest known risk factor is increasing age, the majority of people with Alzheimer's are 65 and older. But Alzheimer's is not just a disease of old age. Up to 5% of people with the disease have early onset of Alzheimer's, which often appears when someone is in their 40s or 50s. I knew a, a friend of mine, a friend of mine, actually, Dennis DeGrasse, his first wife, she was in her late 40s. He brought her, us, he brought her to our house once. She could not bathe herself. She could not hold a conversation. She was in her late 40s because she had Alzheimer's disease. It finally killed her. In fact, he told me, when, after she died, I called him, was trying to console him. He said, I was just glad she got out of that miserable body because it had trapped a beautiful person inside of him. And see, there's people in this room, spiritually, there's a beautiful person trapped inside. But you have forgot. You've forgotten. You forgot who you really are in Christ. Every week, 
there's somebody preaching or somebody, there's songs. I'm a child of God, I'm a child. And you walk right out the door and you forget that. You forget it. You forget it. You forget who you are. You forget God's love. You forget these things. You forget the promises of God over your life. And consequently, what do you do with your life? You make bad decisions or you're unable to do anything. Somebody else is having to help you. He literally had to bathe his wife. He had to bathe her, dress her, and help feed her. Literally. And every once in a while, for a moment, she would pop back into her mind and say something as a very intelligent person and then go right back to being in a a stupor. Are y'all okay? (laughs) The most common early symptom of Alzheimer's is difficulty uh, remembering newly learned information because Alzheimer's changes, changes typically begin in the part of the brain that affects learning. As Alzheimer's advances through the brain, it leads to increasingly severe symptoms, including disorientation, mood and behavior changes, deepening confusion about events, deepening confusion about what's going on in your life. You become more and more confused about your life. What's happening with my life spiritually? Spiritually. People become more and more confused about what's going on. Why did this happen? Why hasn't God did this? Why this? Why that? I will not believe God. I'll never allow myself to be vulnerable again. I've heard that. I'll never allow, I'm not going to believe. I'm not going to have another dream. It's, it's Alzheimer's. You have spiritual Alzheimer's when you start thinking. But you're forgetting something. Disorientation, behavior changes. Well, let me just say this. Listen, unfounded suspicions about family, friends, and professional caregivers. Unfounded suspicions. Have you ever been around a believer that suddenly they became suspicious of you? Everything you was trying to do, they refused, refused it because they didn't trust you anymore. You see what I'm saying? All this is there's a correlation. There's a correlation here that we have to really be careful about. I don't know about you, but I've experienced all these in my life. Every one of them. Every stinking one of them. Then in, there's more serious memory loss and behavior changes and difficulty speaking, swallowing, and walking. The basic things of life, like this lady. She couldn't speak. She had a hard time swallowing without her food being chopped all up. And her husband. And so a lot of Christians are like that. They can't. The only thing they can receive spiritually is what somebody else chops up for them. They can't get anything from God themselves. They can't hear God speak to them. They can't read the Bible and get revelation. They don't ever feel like, they, why is God not speaking to me and God speaking to them and God screaming at them? You know, I've had people say that. Why ain't God speaking to me? And they'd start telling me about their life. And I said, God is screaming at you. You're just not hearing it. He's all over you. He's, he's crying out to you. And you just start listening to things that goes on in their life and suddenly like, oh, I didn't really think that was God. I didn't know that was God. Because they lose their sensibility, their sense of God. And they can walk into a room, this is amazing, where the Spirit of God can be powerfully manifested and they are totally disconnected from Him. It's foolishness to them. It makes no sense to them. Are you all okay? 
I'm not trying to, I, I'm just telling you the journey I've been on because I've been those people. I have sat where God's presence was on fire and I was so disconnected from it and wanted to just get up and walk out. I've been that person. But you know what? I, I, was, I've been that, I was that person in my life. I was making wrong choices and wrong decisions with my life because I was disconnected with God and God was no longer the one informing my decisions and my choices. I was informing my decisions and choices apart from Him. Here's a one. I'm almost done. Yeah, okay. People with memory loss or other possible signs of, of Alzheimer's may find it hard to recognize they have a problem. They may find it hard to recognize, Dad, what's wrong with you? You're losing. No, I'm not. Well, what about this, Dad? Oh, don't worry about that. That's nothing. I remember this couple that I knew when I first met them. They had more passion from God for God. They were hungry for God. Their hearts were wide open for God. They were going after God with everything. Their dream of their life, God was, was everything about their dream. A few years later, I looked at him one day. I thought, what happened? So I went and talked to him. and said, what happened to you? They said, what do you mean what happened to us? We're doing well. And then what they started telling me? They started telling me about their jobs. Well, that's great. I'm happy you got a great job. You're making good money. Great. You know, they started telling me all this naturally. I said, but what about the Lord? What about your desire for God? Well, we're here in church we have no clue what you're talking about, Byron. We're fine. They weren't fine. They were really not fine. Sometimes we think we're fine. We're really not fine. Because we have a disease. We have a spiritual, we have a spiritual memory loss. We have this disease working on our hearts. And it causes us to be like a natural Alzheimer's patient. I'm, I'm fine. I don't know what's wrong with y'all. I just know from experience, you know, Becky's mom, we were around her a lot when she had Alzheimer's and she was ate up with fear. I remember one time, this is, this is terrible because this woman was a, really an awesome woman. She was kind of a kook. <laughs> but really, she would tell you all the kooks because she was really connected in spiritually. She just kind of... Didn't know how to release it very well. <laughs> she would just do it at inopportune times. But I remember one time we took we used to take our moms to the beaches a lot. And just I remember one time driving down to, to the beach and there was all this traffic coming up the other way and she was totally freaking out. Because she said, There's something going on down there. Don't take don't let's don't go down there. There's something bad happening. What do you mean there's something bad happening? All these people are leaving. No, that's just normal beach traffic. No, they're leaving. They're leaving. She just wouldn't stop. She just was a freaking out. So we stopped at a gas station, and I talked to a guy. I said, how's things at the beach? They're great. I went and said, that man said everything's okay at the beach. She was okay. She said, great, thank you. We get in the car. Five minutes later, turn around. Because she had forgotten. She was afraid. She was afraid. Turn around. So a lot of the time, 
when we have this spiritual Alzheimer's, we're afraid of things. We think things are happening. We, th- we, we feel like things are going on. There's something driving this fear in us. You're never going to get married. Your husband's going to leave you. You don't want to have enough money. See, all that comes from not remembering, not keeping God in your memory, not keeping God in your mind and letting Him influence the way you look at life. One time she got really mad at us about something. She left. She was leaving. I'm leaving. Where are you going? I'm going home. How are you going to get home? We're at the beach. You can't get home. I'll find somebody. There's somebody here I know. I know there is. I'm leaving. Goodbye. She was headed out the door. I mean, she was furious at us. I don't remember what it was about. Something Becky did. Yeah, it was. I didn't mess with her. I just, you know, I would humor her. I'm like, she said something. I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Only time I really liked the, the car thing. That was a little intense. But just sitting around the house and she starts saying crazy stuff, I'd agree with her. Yes, that's, that's right. <laughs> Becky ain't doing right. No, she ain't. <laughs> you didn't do too good with her. <laughs> but she was really mad and she was literally going to leave. And people get mad at the Lord. And they feel like they're justified. They get disappointed in God and they feel like they're justified. They get mad at people around them that love them. Because Miss Davis knew that we loved her dearly. That we would do anything for her. Anything. In fact, that's what we were doing. We're we're really trying to bless her. And and one of the things that happens with people with Alzheimer's is, is you take them outside their everyday environment. They freak out. Because they can't handle change. They can't handle stuff that's different. Because their mind's just not capable. A lot of Christians get stuck and they, they feel comfortable right in their little world. Not knowing they're dying in that little world. Not knowing that the little world's killing them. You know, and God said, no, you got to get out of that world. you got to open yourself up. i got different things I want to show you and reveal to you. Boy, I think I'm going to stop. <laughs> yeah. I think what, what I'm really... This is really what I, why I wanted to say all this, is I believe, and my gosh, I have been humiliated feeling in my life about my dreams. I have regretted, Lord, I don't want to tell nobody what I'm dreaming now. I don't want to tell anybody this because I feel like if I do, then they'll know when I fail. You know what I'm saying? When you put yourself out there and you open your life up and say, I believe God has shown me this. And ten, five years later, a month or whatever it is, it doesn't work. And then you had to, you had to acknowledge, I'm not going to be able to do it. It's dead. It's gone. It's burnt down. You feel humiliated. You you feel embarrassed, and so you don't want to open your life up anymore. You want to hide, and you don't you, you don't want to dream no more, because you, you you're saying to God, God, no, 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 no. I don't want this no more, Lord. I don't want no more dreams because I'm going to fail again. I'm going to fail again, Lord. It's not going to work. And I'm going to be embarrassed. I'm going to feel stupid again. And I'm going to have to go through months of you fixing, working on my heart and, and working me through this and recuperating. But God wants us to dream. God wants... Us to open our hearts up. God wants to say to people, I'm breathing. Are you in Helen? 
because I'm breathing new life now in the earth. And I want people to catch my dreams that I have now. What about the old ones, Lord? Well, just fit them into this new one. That's what he told me. Just fit it in. Just fit the ones that didn't work in because the greater includes the lesser. That's why it just blew my mind when God started speaking to me about a greater dream. It's like, what am I going to do with the old dream? Lord, I couldn't build a house and you're talking about a city now. And he said, the greater includes the lesser. The lesser doesn't include the greater. A city is made up of houses, business, streets. Build the house. Well, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. You have a lot to live for. I don't care. I don't, how, how old you are, it doesn't matter. Dean, you have a lot to live for. It doesn't matter that you're an older person. You will quit having a lot to live for here when God says, I'm going to take your air from you and not give you another breath. But until that time, you've got a dream. And whatever you're seeing in your heart, you go after. Because you're like everybody else in this room. There's blank spots on your dream. There's empty places that haven't been filled in yet. And God is saying, I want those filled in. I want... I can say that everybody, I was, the other night was, this is going longer than I thought. The other night we were over here doing this thing with these boys, Joel and uh, Daniel, denial over there, (laughs) you know, graduating. And someone said, time is like wealth in the natural. You guys are the most wealthy people in this room. And I'm thinking, I'm the oldest guy in here. I'm the poorest guy in this room. I am the most poor. I felt like first time in my life, I'm the oldest one. All these young guys, and I'm old. They're richer than me. They're richer than me because they have more time. Yeah, that's right. I think, you know, God is wanting to encourage us to remember Him. Remember His love. Remember His promises, even the ones that have died. And remember, and let God speak new promises to you and new dreams for your life. I think that's really what God has been saying to me. I'll tell you one little last thing I saw. I saw this on my anniversary night. It's spiritual. <laughs> Just in case you were wondering. <laughs> I just threw that in. I, I know y'all won't wondering. <laughs> y'all too spiritual for that, right? <laughs> I saw a honeycomb. Y'all know what a honeycomb is. Bees make honeycombs. This honeycomb was complete. It was finished. And it had honey dripping dripping off of it. There was one lone bee on it. One, that's all I saw. I said, Lord, what? Well, this is what I do know about honey. Honey in the Bible speaks of revelation. It speaks of heavenly information. It speaks of delightfulness from heaven. Yeah. It lightens your... God's going to... Rele- God's releasing... Okay? God's releasing that honey. Okay? And He's saying the work's done. The work's done. 
There's no work to be done. All you have to do is receive. That's all you got to do. And when you receive that, suddenly your countenance is going to be lifted. And you're going to begin to see again. And you are going to begin to dream again. I believe that's what the Lord wants to do right now for people who will. So I want to pray for you for those. First of all, hey, let me do this. If you're a person who suffered loss of dreams in the past time, Please stand. Will you stand up? Just stand up. If you're if you're that person, you, you've had dreams dashed. God, it seemed like it took me a lot of work to say all that. <laughs> okay. I want to pray for you. I want to pray against disappointment. I want to pray that get that off of you this morning. That letdown thing. And I want to pray that God would heal you to dream again. That you could dream, whatever that dream is, it, it can be a spiritual dream, it can be a natural dream, it doesn't matter. If it's from God, it's, it's all spiritual, it's all God, you know. Let me just pray for you. Father, I just pray for every person standing up who, who has had a loss of dreams in their life, who, and they have not been able to really make sense of their life. And, and, and now I know there's people in this room right now, Lord, you're beginning to speak to them again, and they're trying to reconcile what you're saying with what has happened, and they're struggling with it. So, Lord, I want to pray for healing. I want to pray for deliverance. I want to pray that the spirit of wisdom, the Bible says wisdom is a force. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Bible says understanding helps us to put things together. That you're going to release wisdom to build. It says the heavens were created. I think Psalm 135 says the heavens were created by the wisdom of God. Lord, I pray you'd release that same wisdom into this room right now. And uh, the Bible teaches us that understanding helps us to put together things, to put together our lives. I pray that right now over every person in this room. New dreams, old dreams, resurrect old dreams, give them new dreams, bigger dreams, greater dreams. They'd be able to receive them. Lord, they'd be able to walk out of here fresh. Lord, I pray, I, I pray for Alzheimer's disease in the natural Anybody who's suffering with that, any kind of memory loss in the natural, raise your hand. Just raise your hand. If you have any kind of that working on your life, I'm praying for you. Lord, heal. Heal. If you have family members that have that, raise your hand. That are losing their, their memory. Lord, we just pray against natural Alzheimer's disease today. That's a curse from the devil. We don't believe in it today. We don't receive it today, Lord. We curse Alzheimer's. We curse memory loss. Mm. And Lord, I want to pray for all the people in the room who've had spiritual memory loss. Lost, they've lost touch with what you've showed them in the past and revelation about who you are. I ask you, Lord, to, to heal them in the name of Jesus. Set them free, Lord, to be able to go on and live the life that you designed for them to live. The good life, the beautiful life, the life of grace, the life of truth, the life of peace and joy. I want to ask the ministry team to come up. If y'all could come up here, and anybody who would like to receive, you know, prayer this morning, I believe the Lord wants to to touch your life. So, and the rest of you, Lord bless you and keep you. And thank you for coming. Amen.